The Holy Spirit is what it's about today. And I hope, and I witnessed, actually, our surprise at the gospel being read in different languages. I got a start about it, and I organized that. (laughs) And I'm looking around the room, and I'm like, oh, we've got someone who speaks Polish. Why didn't I call her ahead of time? I got somebody who speaks Southern. Why didn't I call him? And I watched you also get your bearings and try to make sense of it for a minute. A few of you lean over to whisper and to look at each other and, oh, 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 like this sense of recognition. And my friends, that is what the Holy Spirit does. That's it. That is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit surprises us. And we say, oh, wait, whoa, wait. And we try to make sense of it. And we have to turn to one another and say, wait, what's happening right now? And we have to talk with one another to see if we can understand it. So the experience we just had is a Holy Spirit experience. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. We have more experience with the Holy Spirit as part of the Godhead directly than we do the Father or the Son When you read the scriptures, the Father is described as the one who began it all, the creator. And then we're introduced to Jesus and the stories of his life, and we read the Gospels and people's response to the Gospels, if we read Paul's letters and other followers of Jesus who wrote the letters. And so we get to know Jesus that way, but it's the gift of the Holy Spirit that we know. It's the Holy Spirit's movement in the world, transforming things that we know. It's the way that we describe what is undescribable about God's transforming love in the world. I don't hear people use the name Holy Spirit very often. I'll hear them say God and Jesus, sometimes in the same sentence, which I'm going to take the opportunity to do just a little theological reflection and training here. God is the name for the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all being a part of the Godhead. As Christians, that's what we believe. And we believe that none of them was first, even though we might want to think that God the Father was first. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all existed always, all the time, together. And none of them is greater than the other. So it's interesting to me that we don't speak about the Holy Spirit very much, even though that's where we have the most direct relationship. The sacraments are a very um, perfect example of that direct relationship. Baptism and Eucharist being ones that are available for all people. And you hear the work of the Holy Spirit in these sacramental prayers. A sacrament is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. And so what we try to do in a sacrament is acknowledge that the Spirit is at work. And we can't quite explain it, but we can at least remember that the Spirit is at work in these actions. So you'll hear in the baptism of Owen this morning that I'll pray the Holy Spirit to come down and to change the water so it's no longer just that which came out of the faucet, but is something that cleanses him in ways that we don't even quite understand and raises him to new life in ways that we don't quite understand. And the Eucharist is also a sacrament, and the action of the Holy Spirit. Listen in the Eucharistic prayer when I say, we pray your Holy Spirit to come upon these gifts. 
asking God to change the bread and the wine into something more than the bread and the wine so that we can be sustained to the fullness that we need to be sustained by a little bitty piece of wafer and a little sip of wine. The real presence, then, is in that bread and wine, and we understand it to be more than what we serve at our tables at home. But it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit transforms things. And we remember that in all of our sacraments. In marriage, when a man and woman, or a woman and woman, or a man and man come together, we say, oh my goodness, something has shifted. God has made this a holy union. That's a sacrament. We do it also in confession, when people come and confess their sins. And we say to people, I say to the person, you are forgiven, because it's the Holy Spirit that forgives you. And people feel it. Indeed, I know there are occasions in each of your lives when you have been so aware that there's something bigger at work here. There have been occasions when you've said, oh my gosh, how did this happen? Much like what you experience at the start of the gospel. Surprised, if you will, by what transpired. Trying to make sense of it. And that's because God, the Holy Spirit, transforms. We remember that in our vision as a church. St. Stephen's articulated a vision. That's what we're focused on. You see it on the little bookmarks in your pew rack. We are focused on a world made whole by God's transforming love in action. Transforming, making things new, changing the world. And so we look to be a part of that. I was at clergy conference this week, and as part of clergy conference, we have chaplains that foster our spiritual time over the course of those days. It's a real gift to clergy because we're often in charge of fostering a spiritual time. So none of us want to have that job for the rest of us, and so we have people come from outside to be our chaplains and to lead us in times of prayer. And in one particular time of prayer, the woman who was inviting us into the time of prayer, shared with us us three questions that actually are from her friend. First is this. Does the God of your understanding have the power to transform? Does the God of your understanding have the power to transform? The second question is, Does the God of your understanding have the power to transform you? And the third question is, do you want to be transformed? We might say, maybe. Paul speaks of this, though, the longing, the groaning, Because deep within us, yes, we do want to be transformed. What we are, what is, isn't working. And we feel this restlessness and this irritability. And Paul says to us, that's the Spirit working in you. That's the Spirit getting you ready to respond to what the Spirit is going to empower and encourage you to move into. The invitation that God has for you. We think of the Holy Spirit as comforter. And indeed, we'll sing it. We, we heard it sung by our choristers this morning. But comforter might be a little bit of a misleading word. It's not meant to be 
um, lullaby-like. Comforter is meant to encourage us and to sustain us in the challenge of being people of the way and following Jesus and being caught up in the love of God that wants to transform the world. The Holy Spirit comforts us by encouraging us, assuring us, being present to us so that we know that we're not alone and that we can take the next step in following Jesus. We have to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, tune our ears to what God is up to, and I just want to give you all a shout-out, every person who's in here today, for your practice this morning. Right? That's it. We learn to listen to the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you a joke, or maybe it's a story. I'm not really quite sure what, but I don't think it needs to be qualified necessarily in order to be told. There was a woman at the end of her life. She was in the bed, and her family was gathered around her. And she had been diminishing over many weeks, her body slowly doing less and less, and her world getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Over the years, things had begun to not work much anymore, and her family had been there with her through it all. As she's laying on her bed, she says, quietly, I've got to go. Now, one of her family members remembered that she needs assistance going to the restroom and hastily ran outside to the hallway to summon a nurse to come and to assist her in getting to the bathroom. And when that person came back into the room, they found that she had died. Now, maybe that's not really as funny as it might could have been. (laughs) But I highlight it because we become attuned to things. And sometimes we don't hear what the Spirit is trying to tell us. Just as in that example, a phrase, I got to go, well, I, I use that phrase, and I use it in the ways that we all understand it to me. But when we hear the word said differently by someone on their deathbed, it means something differently. We come together as the body of Christ to learn to hear the Spirit at work, to tune our ears to what the Spirit is up to, to become familiar with the unsettledness that the Spirit invites us into and encourages us, comforts us into going and following Jesus. So that when we hear familiar words, we hear the invitation. At this clergy conference this week, a quote was shared with us from James Baldwin. And the quote is this. If the concept of God has any validity or any use... It can only be to make us larger, freer, and more loving. If God cannot do this, then it is time we got rid of him. That might sound a little sacrilegious upon first hearing it. If God can't make us larger and freer and more loving, it's time we got rid of him. But what James Baldwin is inviting us to consider is whether or not our God is the God, the one God, the God who transforms. 
With that quote, we are encouraged to consider who is God in our life. And if God can't make us larger and freer and more loving, then we're not focused on the living God. Does the God of your knowing have the power to transform? Does the God of your knowing have the power to transform you? Do you want to be transformed? I have um, been thinking of, I've been reminded of a song uh, in preparation for today's homily. Kept coming to me time and again, and, and the Holy Spirit works like that kind of reminding us along the way. In fact, I want to tell you a story about that. I'm going to step out of the sermon as it's... I'm going to push pause there for a moment to talk about another thing that I'm remembering about God's um, presence with us through the Holy Spirit. There's a parishioner here at St. Stephen's that told me some months ago that she's praying for the church, that she's praying for St. Stephen's Church. I loved being made, having that known. How wonderful that someone's praying for us, our life together, as the body of Christ here at St. Stephen's. In the week or two leading up to Holy Week, when I was putting on the finishing touches, working with others to prepare the services for Holy Week, which remind us of God's salvation in the death and resurrection of Jesus, I kept remembering that she's praying for the church. It would pop into my head at various times. I'd say, oh, that's right, she's praying for St. Stephen's. And then I'd go about and do things. And, and I remembered it literally three or four times in the course leading up to those days at the end of Holy Week. And on Thursday of Holy Week, I got an email from her simply saying, you know, we're not going to be around for these services. We're going to visit family. She said, but I want you to know that I'm praying for the church. And I emailed her back and I said, I remembered that. The Holy Spirit has reminded me several times in preparation for this week, but it's nice to have an email confirmation. (laughs) The Holy Spirit reminds us of things, brings things to our attention, is with us, drawing us to listen in a way different than maybe we're accustomed to listening. And the body of Christ helps us discern what the Holy Spirit is up to, to make sense of it. And that's why it's wonderful that we come together to celebrate the sacraments so that we learn to listen again. And we get better at listening to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the song that kept coming to me is a kind of a camp song, and so some of you might know it. And I'm going to sing it once through. And then I'm going to teach it to you, phrase by phrase, and then we're all going to sing it together. And we're going to sing it together until we're all singing it together. So it's within your power how many times we sing it, all right? I'll just keep going until I feel us all there, all right? But let me sing it through for you once first. If you believe and I believe and we together pray, the Holy Spirit will come down and set God's people free. And set God's people free, and set God's people free. The Holy Spirit will come down and set God's people free. Anybody here know that? Show of hands. Okay, there's one in the choir. That's good. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to teach it to you phrase by phrase. If you believe and I believe and we together pray, 
If you believe and I believe and we together pray, the Holy Spirit will come down and set God's people free. The Holy Spirit will come down and set God's people free. 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 The Holy Spirit will come down and set God's people free. The Holy Spirit will come down and set God's people free. All right, I think you're ready. If you believe and I believe and we together pray, the Holy Spirit will come down and set God's people free. And set God's people free. And set God's people free. The Holy Spirit will come down and set God's people free. If Amen. Amen. And with that, let's baptize Owen McCoy Summerer. <laughs>